There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your guide to the whitetail woods. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel for the stand, saddle, or blind. First Light, go farther, stay longer. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. This week, I'm joined by longtime co-host Dan Johnson to reflect on the past 10 seasons of this podcast and the deer hunting lessons we've learned along the way. Alright, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by First Light, and today we have got a special episode because we are joined by, drumroll please, the one, the only, Daniel Bartholomew Johnson. Dan, (laughs) welcome back to the show. Right now, everybody just hit the stop button. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or they're thinking, is Dan's middle name really Bartholomew? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, this guy is a nerd. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you? I am well. I'm doing good. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i glad we get to uh, catch up here a little bit. I've been doing something that you inspired me to do. Do you have any okay. guesses what that might be? See, so the first thing that popped into my mind was inappropriate for <laughs> even this podcast. So I got to go into, something. I don't know, number two, like, I'm going to guess wrong. I'm going to guess wrong unless it's 80s, like started watching more 80s movies. <laughs> no, it's not that. Here's okay. what you inspired me to do. Okay. You inspired me to listen to the very first oh, Wired Hunt podcast yeah. of all time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So here's what's crazy, man. We have just recently entered the 10th season of this podcast. Nuts. How Nuts. crazy is that? 
come a long ways. This has been a long journey, man. And yeah. uh, it's gone. It, it, part of me feels like it happened in like a flash. And part of me feels like it was a lifetime ago that that first exactly. episode happened. You know, I don't know yeah. where I stand on that. And I'm not sure what kind of caused me to. Okay. So here, here's, here's part of the reason. So, you know, I have all, you know, I have the network and I have the nine finger chronicles and things like that. And so I was, mm-hmm. I never, ever, ever go and check the reviews on the podcast. And so, you know, all these awesome, great reviews. And then I, then I go back and I look at the very, like the oldest reviews that I possibly Mm -hmm. have and how, you know, there's, there's a handful of them that are just like one star, try something different, like (laughs) not good. And so I, it kind of sparked in my brain. I go, okay, I have to go back to the very first podcast that I ever did with Mark. And I want to listen to our conversation and to see <laughs> how different it was, you know, today than it was oh, damn near 10 years ago. Yeah. To kind of see what kind of progress you've made. Exactly. Exactly. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, what you, uh, what you, when you, when you sent me the text telling me that you want, listen to that, mm-hmm. I started having the same thoughts that you just mentioned. I was like, you know, that might be useful to go back and listen and kind of think back on, you know, take a little time to reflect back on this 10 year journey and where it's taken us and what's happened and stuff. And so I kind of thought for today, you and I could kind of do that on air. Yeah. We could think back see that episode and where we were 10 years ago, talk a little bit about that and then talk about the progress we have or have not made mm-hmm. now. And then also I wanted to do a little bit more reflection and steal another idea from that episode. So if you okay. recall from episode one of the wired hunt podcast, we, our topic of discussion was the best and worst moments of our 2013 season. Right. So I thought to end today's episode, we could do the best and worst moments of our 2022 season since you and I have not talked about that together on the show yet. So, so that's my idea for today is a little bit of looking back 10 years ago to where we are now and then stealing the idea from that episode's topic to, to kind of round it out. What do you think about that? Man, let's do it. So, (laughs) so first off 10 years ago, you and I, Yep. We had got together maybe a couple weeks before we recorded that first podcast. Do you remember what we were doing just before that podcast? I'll never forget it. I'll never, for, <laughs> I, I, for some reason, and I mean this in all seriousness, I'll never forget that those days, those couple of days when you came down, we did some shed hunting and man, we were drinking, we were drinking some beers at, that night at my parents' place. And you're mm-hmm. like, hey, dude, I got this crazy, idea about a podcast. And so it was, it was a shed hunting weekend and that's kind of what kicked it off. And at that time I was kind of transitioning out of white knuckle and didn't Mm -hmm. really have anything planned, anything to do. And so I was just like, you know what, let's, and when you asked me, I was like, it was, it was a no brainer. It was just like, I don't have anything else to do. Let's do it. So, so I feel the same way. The only other thing I would add to my recollection of that weekend, uh, was also that time when you told me go out on uh, very thin ice to try to (laughs) sabotage and kill me and try to drown me in an Iowa river. Do you remember that part? (laughs) And steal the, steal the podcast idea and do it myself. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> it almost worked. <laughs> um, so I will say this on top of that, it was like last month I was digging through all of the old footage that I had. And I came across that particular interview when you fell through the ice and, <laughs> and, and the cool kudos to you for being tough because you didn't go back to the truck. We finished shed hunting before we headed back to the truck. Had to, <laughs> it was cold too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was soaked. If I remember yeah. right, I think it got like almost up to my armpits, didn't it? Yeah, it was. That right? it, yeah, it, it was. It was deep. You yeah. you fell right by a down tree. The roots were exposed. And so and so those usually have some deep holes surrounding them. And yep. you went you went like nipple high. And luckily, all your camera gear was up high and all of the yeah. like the important equipment was up high. So. Yeah. So so real talk, if I had yeah. been swept under the ice that day and died. Uh, do you think you would have taken the podcast and, and started the, uh, the Dan Johnson episode back in 2013? I, I don't know. I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, only because I probably wouldn't have known how to do the research to get even started on, on something like that. It was, uh, it was, uh, tenuous there in yes. the beginning. That's yes. for sure. So, uh, so yeah, so 10 seasons of the podcast now. And 15 years of Wired Hunt. I was just thinking about this morning. The Wired, the website started 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is I, you know, the tagline for the website and everything for the longest time was uh, deer hunting for the next generation. Yeah. And I started it when I was in college. I think I was 20 years old. Right. Uh, I got to thinking, I am no longer part of the next generation. We, we're like... Yeah. This is now like deer hunting for geriatrics. Now <laughs> we're both yeah. getting pretty old. Yeah. So I don't know how that happened. Um, but, uh, but I wondered what your thoughts were now looking back on those good old days when we were so young and fresh out the womb. Uh, what did you think about how the podcast itself went? Did you think that we, did you think that we sound like idiots? Did we hold our own from that perspective? What were your thoughts? Yeah. I think right off the bat, there was a period of time on the podcast where we both kind of sounded, uh, we sounded like radio DJs kind of like, all right. So uh, we're, today we're going to talk about betting areas and uh, let's talk about, you know, on betting areas and, 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 you know, just like really rehearsed. We sounded really rehearsed. We sounded uh-huh. really like prepared. We sounded really, I don't know, like we wanted it both to work. And so I think, we were really kind of tight and tense at the beginning. And then it took us a while to loosen up and relax. And once, once we started to do that, I felt like then it, then it caught and then it became something special. Yeah. You know, the other thing that stands out to me is speaking of uh, podcast reviews, we always used to get these reviews that said, why does Dan sound like he's recording in a bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) And it was was like like 20, 20 episodes. episodes in. Yeah. yeah. You, you realize like, Oh, my microphone isn't plugged in or something. It wasn't turned <laughs> it on. It was the settings. Yeah. It was the settings on my computer that, uh, I didn't change. And so that led to one day, just me like going in and saying, Oh, and then you're like, Holy cow. What did you do? I'm like, I turned my microphone on. <laughs> if that's not like the perfect analogy for exactly. everything we're doing, that's uh 
That was very fitting. So exactly. that was pretty funny. Yep. <laughs> you know, another thing I noticed too, you, you weren't affected by this as much. I don't think you, when I listened to you back then, like other than what you just described, yeah. you basically sound like you still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe, maybe you feel differently because it's your own voice. But when I listened to my own voice back then, it yeah. sounded like, it sounded like I had just come out of getting my wisdom teeth pulled and like I was still like waking up from a drug induced nap or had Novocaine still in my mouth or something. A little mumble <laughs> like, mouth. Yeah. Mumble mouth, yeah. like sleepy mouth. I don't yeah. know what it was, but I sound like I'm not quite there. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that was about, but I also have the same thing. I went and list, I went and watched one of my first YouTube videos and it is absolutely painful. Oh, it's the yeah. same thing. It's like that same, like I've, I don't even know how anybody could listen to me back then yeah. after watching that. So uh, if nothing else, we've both gotten a little bit better at communicating, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what about the content of our conversation? So like I just said, we, we talked through the best and worst moments of our 2013 season. Yeah. Um, and listening to that, I was kind of struck a by how much hasn't changed. Right. Um, but then there were some things like uh, where I thought to myself, all right, we both come a long way in certain ways. Um, and at the same time I was shaking my head at man, you, you're still battling with the same things. Yeah. What, what about you? Where did, what did, what kind of stood up for you when you look back on, you know, what you were saying back then to where you are now? Yeah. And so and maybe can you, can you point out you, a couple of those things? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously by then we were to the point where we kind of understood how deer, uh, how their noses worked, right. And things yep. like that. And so, and so, but we were still kind of talking, um, and, and I want to, I don't want to necessarily say regurgitating old information that you, you know, that the magazines had done throughout the years, but what's cool is I would say in the first, man, how many years was I on the show? Like the first I mean, you five, were on, four, five? Yeah, I'd say the first five, you were on almost yeah. every single episode. Right. And so in that time frame, we talked to a ton of really good either deer hunters or property management style hunters. Right. And so I think what was cool about that is we would talk to, let's say, a public land guy who would throw a strategy ideas out. And I think really what happened was me and you were able to go out and apply some of those practices to our own hunting strategy. Maybe we got some results. Maybe we didn't. But it allowed us to form some different unique opinions about our own methods and and really. I don't know. And really not only change our interviewing styles because we, now we had this, we were gaining experience. So because we were gaining experience, we had the ability to ask better questions to, uh, to these people. And I think once that, that dam broke out of the first two years, then it's just, it started clicking and that's when the content really, really started getting good. Yeah, you you make a really good point. Like there's there's only so much you can learn from reading or listening to other people, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yep. you're absolutely right. In 2013, you know, when I started the podcast and and rewind 5 years earlier when I started the website, absolutely in 2008 yeah. or 2009, so much of my understanding of deer came from what I'd read and watched and listened to. 
you know, yep. my childhood of deer hunting experience, like my first 15 years were up North hunting in Michigan where we hardly ever saw any deer. I had some basic deer hunting knowledge that my family gave me, but basically that was don't move. Don't make too much noise. Sit in the woods for a long time. And there's this thing called yep. a rub and there's this thing called a scrape and that's good. Yep. And that's kind yep. of all I knew um, yep. for the first 15 years. So then, you know, when I started the website, it was, well, okay, I, I, I've read this book. I've heard this thing. I saw this in the show. So this is what you're supposed to do. And it, it took a long time, like you just mentioned, to actually, you know, you can understand it like in a textbook kind of way, but mm-hmm. until you have that real world experience where you've done it, seen it, seen when it works, seen when it doesn't work, understand the context, you know, all of that builds like a foundation and you can't yep. really have things start clicking till you have that real world foundation where you've ran all these textbook ideas through your real world filter, I guess, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And I hundred percent agree this. with you. Like, it, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll say this real quick. Um, so for me, when, when we started this, tw- uh, if it was, uh, the, it was spring of 2014. And so yep. 20, uh, I was in this period where I still hadn't, I, I killed a buck in 07. I killed a buck in 09. I kicked, killed a buck in 12 and, and then 13, 14 and 15, I didn't kill a deer. And so I was, I was brand new to the, uh, to this method of attacking and mobile hunting. Um, even though I was several years into it, I hadn't found success. So the cool thing about that is that over that period of time, I struck out, struck out, struck out. And then I don't know, you know, I, I can't necessarily speak for you, but for me, when it started to click in 2016, then it was like, I don't know if, if you could see a progression or if there was clips that you could go in and, and listen to us talk about certain things and then kind of mark the time that it sunk in for me, I, I would love to go back and hear those conversations. Yeah. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. 
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on FishingBooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at FishingBooker.com to book your trip today. I actually just met someone, I don't know, a month or so ago at uh, this Volunteer Habitat Day who had said, uh, <laughs> he said that he was on like episode 278 or three some I don't know, somewhere back in there. He said he went back and started from episode one and was listening all the way through. And the thing he said to me is it's it's been so interesting to watch your guys' progression, to like mm-hmm. hear us and how we talk about things differently as we learned, you know, and, and so what took us years he was listening to over the course of months, you know, and seeing it all happen kind of fast forwarded. And, and I think you're right. I think that has been hopefully the same experience that the listeners have had over this decade. Right. Is is I've always thought that you and I have kind of been like a stand in for the listener. Like we are learning right with the audience throughout this whole process week by week, year by year. Um, And, and I think, I hope what has been happening is what has happened for you and I, which is like, and I've I've always tried to say this. I've always tried to remind people this, like take it all in. Don't, don't, don't make assumptions that this guy won't be interesting or that this person won't be useful or that this person is 100% right. And everybody else is wrongly try to take it all in and then filter it through your own circumstances and then test it, test it, test it, like go out, try all these things, use all these ideas, think about these things and then you'll slowly over time start seeing like, let's throw all the spaghetti at the wall. Yep. And, it's, and it's our unique wall, right? My wall is different than your wall, which is different than Joe Blow's wall that's listening. Like we all have different things will stick for different people. But yep. find what sticks in your place with your goals, with your yep. circumstances, with your resources, and and keep going like that. And that I think has been, I, I've tried doing that. And that has yeah. been what's worked well for me is I've tried all yeah. of these things. And then a lot of my dropped a lot of my said, you know what? This isn't for me or this isn't for my area yep. or this doesn't work, you know, in this situation. But maybe if I travel to X place or Y place, maybe it will work there. Um, right. And that's, 
you know, that's been kind of the the superpower, I guess, of this podcast, I think, is yeah. just getting so many different ideas. And, and, and what I've tried to do, and I know what you've tried to do, is the two of us in these conversations, whether it was on this podcast or then on your podcast subsequently, you know, trying to dig into people's process. Exactly. You know? Like understand why they do things. Because if you understand why they do things, then you can start to better apply that to your situation. So even right. if even if Justin Hollinsworth is hunting a property that's so different than you or I, if we understand why he, you know, only hunts with X and Y wind on these days, then even though I have a very different property, maybe I can understand how to apply that same idea. Right. Um, so that's that I think has accounted for a lot of the growth that we and, and probably a lot of listeners have had. Yeah. The other thing that I, I really, let's see, how do I put this? I think this podcast happened at the very beginning of what I'm going to call an awakening in the hunting community and hunting industry. And, you know, everybody, and what I mean by awakening is we had some of the biggest names in the industry on the podcast and we were able to interview them about how they, how they do it and what that did. And this is my opinion. What that did was um, not necessarily relate, but open the eyes up to the rest of the listeners going, oh my God, I've been trying to do this, apply this strategy to maybe a five acre or a 10 acre farm when the, the people who I've been taking advice from and doing all this stuff, you know, like looking up to have thousands of acres of managed property. And so what it did was it allowed people to realize that those groups of people are the one percenters. And I need to focus on my own property, kind of just what you said, but look other places for serious content that are more relatable to the style in, in, in which I hunt. Yeah. It was like uh, it, and it also kind of showcased, uh, you know, brought to the table certain people like, oh, wow. So this guy is only killing three-year-olds that are at 120, and he's been mm-hmm. doing that for decades and decades. And all of a sudden, we start to realize, like, oh, wow, that's actually a heck of an accomplishment in yeah. those circumstances. And this guy has a ton to teach us, and I can learn a lot more from this person than I could learn from the guy with four 200 inches or whatever it is. Uh, exactly. You're right. Like, like there was yep. like a sheet pulled off of yep. the – the magic hat with a rabbit in it or something like that. It was like the democratization Uh, of knowledge. And, and and it just showed that people could be successful. Like the Andy Mays of the world could be successful without the same resources as some of the, you know, the, the people who for so many years we were looking up to. Yeah. And I, and I will say it, I think it also for some of those folks who, you know, were on TV, still are on TV. It did give some of them an opportunity to, to detail the work that did go into getting what they have and doing what they have. So it's not like, I mean, even now you watch an episode of one of these mainstream TV shows, they only got 22 minutes to show you. And it looks very easy right on camera, this buck walking to a food plot and they shoot the big deer. It's the fifth big deer of the year, whatever. Now, yeah, that might be unrealistic for 99% of us, but still there was a ton of work. There was a ton of effort. There was a lot of planning. There was a lot of, you know, different kind of stuff. So I think Mm. it, also gave us all a new understanding of 
if that is what you actually want, here's what it takes. And do you still yes. want to do that? Is that still what you want? Um, are you willing to commit so much money, so much time, so much equipment? Uh, is that what you want or not? And yeah. I think that we have seen now as a community, like you can do that, but there are yeah. also other opportunities too. And there's, it's fun all the way across the board. There's just different goals. There's different ways. There's different styles. And I hope, I don't know if this is true or not, but I hope that part of what maybe our impact with the podcast and other podcasts and things like that, hopefully some of the impact has been that it has helped shift people's idea of success a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, maybe, maybe 15 years ago, success was, man, you got to get a booner. You got to get the 200. You got to, and not saying there's still an obsession. There's not, I mean, yes, there is still an obsession and interest in those things today. I'm as guilty as anyone of liking big deer. But I hope to some degree we have shifted it a little bit away from antlers being the only measure of success to now, you know, experience being part of the success, overcoming challenges, learning, growing, um, setting your own realistic goals for what you want, what's enjoyable for you, what's realistic for your area, all these things, um, you know, giving back. Hopefully, hopefully success. I guess I can't speak for anybody else, but I can speak for myself in that success for me is a much more mixed pot than it was right. 10 years ago when I thought, man, I just got to kill 150 inch four year bucks. And if I can do that, I am validated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to elaborate on that thought past hunting and hunting strategy, it was also cool to see the, the sheet pulled off of the, the scientific and the conservation type uh, content. So when you're talking to guys like Matt Ross or Bronson Strickland and they start dropping some facts about deer, you know, like, like I used to think that if you killed small antler deer, genetically uh, inferior deer, that it would mean less of those deer. Right. And so when I heard this information, like, Hey, guess what? It doesn't do anything, you know, like, like calling deer or that quote unquote management buck that you shoot every year. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. And so that type of information is brought to the light as well. And it, it just, it kind of exposes that. And you're like, oh my God, people are telling you not necessarily lies, but half truths. And it, it, it was, it's just kind of like a really tight moment. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's, it's, it's two things I think happened. One, like the mediums of content back in the day just weren't very conducive for like a deep right. understanding. You know, I think like the podcast and just like the explosion of long form, like YouTube stuff too, has just given the chance for people to like dive deep into things that you couldn't 10 or 15 years ago. Like very few people would read a book, you know, back in the day about this stuff into the nitty gritty, just a few hardcore folks would, but yep. a whole lot of people would listen to an hour and a half with Bronson Strickland as he yep. dives deep into that kind of stuff, like you said. Um, so that's, that's certainly helped a big, a big, in a substantial kind of way. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been really interesting personally. What what you know, I can say two things. I can say one, over the last ten years, to your point, like I feel like I have grown like leaps and bounds as a deer hunter. Like I feel like a completely different human being when it comes yeah. to, you know, just understanding what to do, how to do it, when to do it. Like I remember back before the podcast, going onto a new property with a buddy of mine. And he was letting me hunt some property he had access to. 
And I just remember feeling so lost. Like I, I, I had no idea where to start. I walked yeah. out there. I'm like, man, I don't really know. I mean, I can walk. I'm going to walk around, find some rubs, um, some trails and just kind of hope. And now, you know, I can set foot on new properties and, and just right away be like, okay, I know this. I know this. I don't know this and this. Let's go figure it out and let's make an assessment. And, and just like, there's so many examples like that where I feel million times more confident. Um, but I say all this to bring up two big things that I heard in episode number one that I am still experiencing today. Okay. Uh, and so I thought it might be interesting if you have anything that you heard that you're still experiencing, I I can lead with mine. Yeah, go for it. I, all right. So Listening to that first podcast, there were two things that we talked about when it came to, uh, you know, we talked about the best and worst moments of our 2013 season. And one of the things that I talked about is um, that I was having this really rough 2013 season. I'd had all these close calls. Nothing came together, made mistakes, yada, yada, yada. And I had talked about how I had let myself get overstressed, overworked up, bummed out about it just got too much pressure on, put too much pressure on myself to have success, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that has, that ended up being like a 10 year thing for me. Right. Um, I mean, that has been a, a annual thing. Listeners have heard me talk about me just working through that. Um, and it really wasn't until last year that I felt like I had a breakthrough, um, and felt like I was finally getting past that. So that was interesting to me that took me about 10 years to finally stop to to finally mature enough maybe to yep. stop being so worked up about a whether or not I I was able to achieve like the ultimate success of my goal of killing a big deer or an old deer or whatever it was and then also not caring what other, other people thought and then if I could remove those two things then just focus on you know the experience itself and having fun like it took me 10 years even even in 2013, I knew it was a problem and it still took me 10 years to, you know, work through that. And I'm not saying I, you know, I'm not saying it's a thing that I maybe will ever fully move past. Maybe that's just part of my personality, but I feel like, you know, last year was a big uh, fork in the road where I really moved past something. So that was interesting to me. And um, I've I've talked about it on the show and you and I have talked about on the show, but I think it's just worth reemphasizing like, I don't think there's been anything more important. I'm, I'm guessing this because I'm at the very beginning of it, but I'm guessing this will have been the most important shift I've made in my hunting journey. Yeah. Being able to get past that, you know, obsession with, am I good enough? Do people think I'm good enough? Is this deer big enough? Uh, did I do good enough? Uh, yeah. and, and getting so worked up about that and beating myself up for not doing it right or beating myself up if I didn't feel like i gave it 2000% or everything went right. You know, as soon as I was able to move past that and start just focusing on enjoying it, you know, so many things just, it's like turning a movie from black and white to color is what it felt like last year. Yeah. So I hope that's something that maybe other people can learn from my mistakes. And maybe it's one of those things you got to go through it on your own. Um, But Maybe by hearing my 10 year journey on that front, some people have, you know, maybe followed along on that same journey as me. Yeah. The second thing I noticed that I am still working through um, was 
I mentioned in 2013 that the worst moment of my season was when I was hunting Ohio, big old blizzard pushed through. I drove down to hunt Southern Ohio to catch this cold front. I got set up, couldn't climb into a tree stand because it's too icy. So I'm hiding behind a tree, standing on the edge of a bedding area in a cut bean field. And this nice eight point buck comes walking out. And I remember lining up on him and taking a crack and he just stands there. So I reload the muzzle loader, take another crack. He just stands there. Reload a third time. And then before I get it fully reloaded, he runs off. And yeah. I can't remember if I mentioned the episode or not, but I also scoped myself on one of those shots. So I had blood yep. dripping down I remember my face too. <laughs> yeah. So, so I talked about rushing the shot and like yeah. not being fully in control in that moment. And that has been a thing that has, again, been a reoccurring topic of conversation these last 10 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I missed that deer that year. The next year was the year that I rushed the shot a little bit on Jawbreaker and hit him, you know, back in the intestines. Um, oh, I don't know. I mean, a handful. I've missed a couple other deer since then. I missed that deer two years ago in Iowa. Um, missed an eight-pointer in Michigan somewhere in that window. So I had my, I've had my share of screwed-up shots over these years, and I've, like, tried different releases, and I've tried different processes, and I've practiced my tail off, and... Last year, I went to an archery coach and totally rebuilt my shooting style and process, and I think that's helped, um, but I know I'm st- still not 100% there. Um, my yeah. goal, one of my two goals last year, as you know, we talked about this, one of them was to have fun, like to focus on what we just talked about, just having fun. Right. And then goal number two was only good shots. Like, you got to make good shots, and that was so important to me. Um, and so I, I kind of... And we'll talk about this in a little bit more, but I kind of had, um, I would give myself like a B on that. I I only took good shots. So I was really glad about that. I, I had opportunities at some shots that I could have taken, but I chose not to. Cause like, I just didn't want any, I, I want nothing but perfect. So I passed on a mature buck two different times. Once a little out of range and once just, I was not comfortable and steady. Um, and I just, I didn't want to risk ruining a great season with a bad hit or a miss. Yeah. So, so I, I was glad about that. Uh, I had a, the first deer I killed, I felt really good about that shot. The second deer I killed felt decent about the shot. The third deer I killed, um, I felt like I still rushed it a little bit. And so I'm, I'm working through like these steps. I've got this like four step process for my shot process. I'm, I'm still not getting 100% of the way through 100% slow, 100% in control. I'm, I'm getting better, but I'm not all the way there. So this yeah. is all to say that like that has been another one of those, like always working on it kind of issues for me that maybe that's the case. Maybe I, I know there's some people that don't deal with that issue at all. And then I think there's probably other people like me that you're probably good enough most of the time, but is that okay? Do you want to be just good enough most of the time? Or do you want to get to the point where you are locked in perfect every time? And if that's what you're trying to do, I think that is for, for some people, I guess I can't speak for anyone, but myself, for me, that has been a year by year continued challenge to keep on trying to work on getting 1% better, or whatever it is. Right. Um, Cause it's, it's a, it's a wild, crazy moment and set of situations um, that I at least have, continue to have to work on 
So those two yeah. things stood out to me as like, man, of, of all the things I made a ton of progress on, those two things have still been like my thing to bear over this decade. Yeah. Um, what about you? What are your thoughts on any, on that or yourself? Yeah. So I, I think we were putting, we were both putting a lot of pressure on ourselves that probably didn't need to, we didn't need to put on ourselves, right? Both of us. But one thing that I, I listened to that was how hard, not efficient, but how hard I was hunting back then compared Mm, to how hard I am. I'm hunting now. And that I would, I was worried about, you know, I still thought back then that time in the woods. Now don't get me wrong. Time in the woods is always a benefit, but if you're sacrificing uh, just to be in the woods versus laying off and, and, and accomplishing something else. I didn't necessarily understand the importance of that yet. And so, yeah. man, I feel like I was hunting really hard when I didn't need to be, especially like I knew that the first three weeks of October, I probably didn't have that good of a shot at, at going in and, and knocking down a good deer. And, and so I was just, I was going and I, I think that over the last 10 years, one thing that I feel like I've gotten better at is just sitting back and observing. And that doesn't mean in the tree stand. That also means at home, watching, watching weather, watching cold fronts, watching uh, and observing deer behavior, you know, listening or learning from what the trail cameras are telling me, uh, le- taking all of the, the past information that I've gained throughout the years and kind of forming it into things that my brain could digest and say, okay, listen, dude, you don't need to be doing this right now. Or, Hey, last year, uh, this, you know, this terrain feature was really, you know, was really good. You should probably get back in there or, you know, that, that paralysis by analysis type of, of thought process. And really what's happened out of that has come more of this fluid, a strike when the iron's hot type mentality. And I'm not, I'm not worrying about being in the woods when I necessarily don't need to be. You make a great point. Like there's this difference between working harder versus working smarter and and efficiency. And, and I, I'm right there with you. Like Mm -hmm. in those days, I just thought, you just needed to pound the ground nonstop and be out there every single day you possibly could. And like, yep. that was like, that was the way to success was just like death by persistence somehow, yep. you know? Yep. Um, and, and you're right. Like, I think we both have found the, the power of efficiency and doing things smarter versus like the blunt force approach, yep. the brute force approach. Um, but I, but I wonder this, could we have, could you really get to where we are now to where you can actually be efficient successfully and, and know how to apply and when to strike at the right moments? Can you ever get there if you don't first go through the brute force approach of just spending a ton of time out there? Like if, I if, couldn't have. if someone see, that's what I wonder is I, I think yeah. that maybe that almost, you almost have to go through that to get that foundation of experience and knowledge to ever be able to understand you know, when's the right moment, when's not, or when's the right yeah. time to push versus when's the right time to stay back. Like, 
even though we can look back and say it was a mistake, maybe it was a good mistake. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if, if we're going to go back, I, I want to go back to 2006. That's a, that's a, that's a, a year for me when I s- said to myself, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start taking bow hunting serious again. And I went blunt force and I went quantity of hunts, but that allowed me to learn a whole bunch of different things in the next, I would say 10, 10 seasons of, of hunting. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that really, and, and it's not, it's not hunting related, but it is a reason why I had to be more efficient with my hunting episode. Number one, I had mm-hmm. a one month old baby, my first child, a one month old baby in the house. And so, I mean, there's no other reason way to, to put a halt to hunting like kids right? Having, (laughs) having kids, especially a newborn in the house. And so my time then was more on not necessarily hunting itself, but thinking about hunting. And with that came planning for hunting and kind of changing my mindset to, you know, the old style of war where two people would line up across from each other and just, just battle it out instead Mm -hmm. of, being tactical and flanking and you know, you know what I mean? And, and so yeah. it, it, it's, it's that 2013, right when we started it, I feel like you were still in it and I was not, I was still in it, but I was on my way out of it because yeah. I had to. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how a family will do that. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. I think though, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm listening to this podcast right now and I am, just starting a few years yeah. into hunting or I'm young, maybe I'm 20, maybe I'm whatever it is. I think if I were listening to this or to that person listening right now, who is that person? I would tell you don't necessarily rush to try to be the person that Dan and I or be like hunting in the way that Dan and I are talking yet. Like don't, you know, our, our mutual friend, Tony Peterson likes to, you know, just hammer on this a lot. Don't make excuses not to be in the woods. Don't look for excuses not to be in the woods, especially when you're still in this like real figuring out kind of stage, right? Don't let the weather forecast. Like if you have a weekend open to hunt and right, you've got limited time and this weekend's your weekend, you've got to hunt, but the weather looks bad. Like don't let that keep you from hunting. You need to get this experience. You need to get those days in the field. Don't, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't worry too much about efficiency um, before you have a foundation. Now, now certainly think about that efficiency. Think about the things we're talking about and try to help, you know, let that help you use your quantity more effectively. Yeah. Right. But, but don't use these things as excuses not to go because early on, there's nothing more useful. You know, we talked about this in the beginning, right? I mean, it's like, we couldn't, we couldn't even understand what our podcast guests were saying during those first 10 episodes or whatever in a, in a real full way, because we didn't even have enough of a foundation in context ourselves. If we were to listen to those episodes now, like when we talk to these other expert guests, I bet you we would get a lot more from it now because we have 10 more years of personal experience, 10 more years of context, 10 more years of success and failure that now, you know, we've got a, going back to like the throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Like we have a much stickier wall probably now. Like we, a lot of more of these things will make sense to us or we will be able to use. 
just because we've we've built this level of understanding that's going to make everything else so much more useful. So don't don't think that you can skip that process. Um, yeah. So get out there and, and, and you can be smarter about how you do that. Right. I mean, if I were to look back at what I did, you know, in 2013, I guess I'll use this as an example. 2013 season, I was definitely in the quantity over quality kind of mode. I thought, man, every single day I got to be out there. So I had a Michigan property that I just pounded to death because I felt like I had to be out there. So I probably hunted it. I don't know. 20, 30 days, something like that of, you know, a three month season. And this is like 70 acres or something like that. 70, 80 acres that I was out there that many times, maybe more than that. And I think I probably did like two weeks straight of like all day sits. Um, so, I mean, a ton of hours in the same place um, and, and getting the same results, like not seeing the deer I was after. So maybe in a different world, what I could have done if I was, I'm still at that phase where I need time and feel to build that foundation, but I could have spread it out. I could have hunted a couple days on that property and then do some more public land stuff. Or I probably should have knocked on more doors and got permission on some other places. Like spreading out your pressure is, is one of those things that still to this day is super important. Yeah. Um, hundred percent. And that was something that I, I knew that back then, like I knew it intellectually, but I did not um, know how to do that or wasn't willing to put in the right kind of work to make that possible. So I guess that's, that's my point here is, there's something to be said for hunting smarter versus just pounding your head against the wall a thousand times. But there is value in that pounding your head against the wall and yeah. you can't skip it. Like there's no fast forward button. There's no like silver bullet. There's nothing that someone could have told me, or there's no product I could have bought. There's no book I could have read. There's nothing that I could have done spring 2013 right then and there that would have gotten me to where I am today. Right. Easily. I had to go through these 10 years of mistakes, failures, successes, lessons, lots of days in the field. And and you got to just go through that with that constant open eyed perspective of what can I learn from this? Why did this happen? Why did this work? Why did this not work? What should I try different? I mean, that if if anything, the last 10 years has been like hammered into me. It's like taking that approach to this. Learning, 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 asking why, testing, testing, testing. If you do those things, yeah. you can get, you can make progress. Yeah. And even when you get into that, that point where you know what you need to do and you, you even apply it to the woods, there was still a period of time when I was getting frustrated because the results weren't coming. So the, the perfect example would have been 2014 and 2015 season. Um, I was, I was not necessarily hunting as hard because I had, you know, kids at that point, but then I also, um, like I really wanted it. And so I was getting frustrated when things weren't like when I would make the perfect access route, I I would go in and the, the target animal just wouldn't show up. So I would, I would hold that frustration these days, dude, like if I don't see a deer, I understand. Right. I, I, I get it. And now I don't get frustrated anymore. I know that deer don't always do the same thing all the time. And there's very rarely ever, uh, like a, a slam dunk sure thing 
in in this world when it comes to bow hunting mature whitetail specifically and so i you just gotta go with the flow and stay calm and and you know it doesn't work out it you know try it again the next time and and then it will then it'll work out but i don't know i was i i can just remember getting so worked up when i would when i would apply the strategy perfectly and nothing would happen out of it which just kind of leads us to to say you're not in control at all. Yeah. So true. There, there's, a, there's a lot out of your hands. All you can do is it, control what you can mm-hmm. and then let the rest slide. Let the rest like hit your, hit your back and bounce off. You know, there's the, you just got to kind of, like you said, roll the punches, roll the situation. And remember, like this is just, I always have to remind myself of this. Like, why are we out there doing this? We're doing this because it's supposed to be fun. This is our, mm-hmm. this is our hobby. This is our passion. This is our lifestyle. This is this thing that we claim to love so much. Why in the world are we sitting out there beating ourselves up and making ourselves miserable while we're doing yeah. it? I don't think yep. people do that when they like, I don't know, when their hobby is a video game and they like playing a video game or when people like to watch sports or when people like to play, maybe people play golf, beat themselves up. But I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, you're doing this because you're trying to have fun. Why are you letting, why are you making it so serious that you are stealing that away from yourself? Yeah. I mean, I just go back and over and over, like nobody cares if you kill a deer. No, no. Especially in today's world, even if you do kill a deer, a giant deer and you post it and all that stuff, people forget about it in half a day or a week or whatever. Right. And it's on to the next thing. So that's why it's like, and just to finish your thought there, I mean, it, it, it is truly about you and nobody else. Yeah. And you, you just, uh, I mean, like we talked about, that's been a process for me. It's taken me a long yeah. time. It's easier said than done, but yeah. man, is that, that's just so, so critical because this, the fun can be sucked out of this fast if you let yes. it. Yep. Um, but at the same time, it can be reclaimed very easily with yes. with just like that attitude shift it's it's totally yep. a mental shift now a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating you know some organ the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill i had that when i was a little kid and it was a big deal Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER.
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on FishingBooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at FishingBooker.com to book your trip today. So we're kind of talking about this like from 2013 to now, how we've progressed. I think the 2022 season, I guess, is a perfect example of what that progression could be because we can compare yeah. 2022 to 2013. Um, and so what we probably should have done was I should have probably told people the week before this to go back and listen to episode one so that everyone listening now would have had the same context that we have. But yeah, maybe people can do that afterwards. But anyways, worst moment of your 2022 season and then the best moments of our 2022 season. Does, does does something come to mind for you right out the gate, or do you want me to start? And let's start with the worst. We'll start with the bad, we'll end with the good. Okay, so he, here's where this mindset really comes into play, is that like when you think about it, there really is no bad part, it, especially if you keep a positive mental attitude. I mean, you're outside, you're doing what you love, and, you know, as long as you're healthy and as long as you can get out and you have a place to, to hunt and, you know, you're able to get out, you know, however many times that your schedule and lifestyle allows, man, that's a good, like, I've realized that's a good thing. That's a, that's a really good thing. So if you take that layer off of it, then, and you want to talk about things that didn't go right, man, I don't like, I don't, it would, it would be hard for me to nitpick something in my 2022 season where I was like, Oh, that sucks. I got bit by a dog in South Dakota. And, (laughs) and, and that is the, that was literally the worst part of my season from a strategy standpoint. I'm not a hundred percent sure what I could have done better. Um, in order to, you know, from, from a, a Western. Yeah. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of things, but I'm in that learning process. Still Iowa, tree stand saddle hunting, man, I I don't think I did anything too terribly wrong. I just applied the method that I have been for the last 10 years. And, you know, I got the job done. 
That's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. That, that's a very good thing. And I, and I like your point. Like, you don't even, you can almost eliminate the idea of like a worst moment or a bad moment mm-hmm. just with your attitude. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point. So, so my worst moment, um, I, I, I had a fleeting worst moment. Um, okay. And it was one that, again, comes down to like how you deal with it. It, with your mental attitude. And that was the night I shot my Nebraska buck. Okay. Um, and so, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, um, you know, my, one of my two goals going to last year was good shots only. Right. I just wanted mm-hmm. to make perfect shots. I, that was this thing that I worked on so hard last year and just wanted it to be perfect. Um, and so this deer that I got a shot at, it was the first night of this hunt in Nebraska, this great big giant seven pointer comes in and I shoot him and in the moment it was right before the end of shooting light and I, he dropped and I just couldn't tell where I hit him. I I thought I maybe shot right over him in the the first second after I shot him, I thought I shot over and I thought I missed. So I was pissed off that I thought I missed this deer. Couldn't believe I blew it. And I've talked thinking about all these things. I just said, I rebuilt my shooting process. I'd worked so hard at this, um, you know, just shot a doe last week, killed a nice buck a couple weeks before that. Like I thought I was making such good progress. And, and then this thing happened again. Um, so I was devastated in that moment that, that I let it happen again, went down, checked the arrow and actually did have pretty good blood on the arrow. And so, okay, now I'm, so I did hit, him. I must have hit him high. Um, because I, I just felt like in that moment, I just felt like it was, it was high and I couldn't tell if I grazed the top or hit high or missed above. It was something like that. So, now see the blood, see the arrow, get on the blood trail, end up having pretty good blood, track the deer a couple hundred yards, and then the blood kind of dries up. And now I'm worried, like, man, are we pushing this deer? I just don't know. And, and end up backing out for the night. Decide I'm going to come back in the next morning and try to pick it up with daylight. So that night was the worst moment of my season because, yeah, I mean, we've all been, most of us have been there where you just don't know if you're going to find that deer, if you wounded it, if you killed it, if you didn't, you know, what happened? Like those moments when you're on a blood trail and it's just like not going the way you want it to. And you're just not sure what's going to happen. And you're feeling yep. increasingly, increasingly anxious. Like those are, those are tough moments. And so that night laying in bed, I was just like, you know, leading into the season, I was just sick of, I don't, I don't want any more misses. I don't want any more bad hits. Like, I'm just so over that and trying everything I possibly can do to eliminate that even though I know you can't 100% eliminate it. Um, so I was beating myself up pretty bad about that. Um, that was my low point. Now, yeah. fortunately, the next morning, we went out there, and the deer was like 10 yards away from where we stopped. He was right in front of us. I don't know how we didn't see him. Um, and it ended up being a double lung shot. It was, it was high, high top of both lungs. But he was dead right away. I just got unlucky that we stopped a little bit too soon. Um, so it ended up working out okay. Um, now, like I mentioned earlier, I still could have slowed down more on that shot. So I know I still have work to do there. Um, but that was my worst moment. Yeah. And it fortunately led, still had a good outcome, uh, still a good teaching moment. But, uh, I had that one moment during the season where I was feeling rough. Yeah. So that was the worst moment for me. Um, I guess if I was going to break it down, I had, I had that moment with the buck I shot here in Iowa this year. I mean, that whole debacle where my arrow fell out of my bow. Um, he saw it happen and then he kind of 
took a couple backward steps and started flanking away. And I shot, you know, I, I, I shot him while he was taking small steps and I ended up hitting him, you know, back liver guts. Right. And so, and so if I was really going to break all that down apart, maybe I would have done something a little bit different, but also it's a perfect example of you kind of got to be ready for anything. And, and you know, that, that was a, that was the, the low part of that story. In, in, am I, am I, am I remembering the story, right? Is this the one where you brought in a drone and stuff and then you ended up like stumbling on him later though, when you finally did find him? Oh no, not a drone dog. Yeah. Dog. A, yeah. Sorry. A dog. dog came in and oh, a dog came in, found a different dead, deer, different buck, a yes. different buck. And yes. I, I was like, no way I shot this buck. No way I shot this buck. <laughs> right. He was like a 130 inch eight pointer. I mean, just tiny. And, and so I was like, like okay, there's, there's, body. There's, there's thousands of Michigan hunters right now who are pissed at you for calling the 130 <laughs> eight pointer you know, tiny <laughs> two year old 130 class, you know, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, but anyway, and I'm just like, no way I shot this deer. And I was, I was about ready to tag him and, and like say, okay, I guess I shot this deer. And I go one second, I'm going to look for the wound channel here. Cause I know where I hit him and there was no wound channel at all. And so the guy with the dog, we went for a little bit longer and he's like, Hey man, this buck here is ruining this dog's or this dog's scent. This deer is ruining this dog's scent because he can't find a scent trail if this dead deer is in the area. So I went back out there later this, that afternoon and ended up finding him. Yeah. That was a wild one. Yeah. Wild. And, and I don't know, was that, was when you did find that buck, was that the best moment of your season when that uh, worry all of a sudden disappeared or what was your best moment? Would you say? Yeah, I, I would say this whole hunt was just the fact that like, I, I wasn't able to get use his meat because the coyotes got to him before I did. And so that, that was a, a, a low part, I guess you would say too. But the, the cool part about this was, I would say the the thing that I'm happy with is that this was on a brand new farm that I got access to in, I think it was late August or it was late August or September. And then I went in and I, no, it must've been late August or something like that. And I threw up trail camera, like uh, I threw up one trail camera. I started the the process of e-scouting. I didn't want to go in and do it. I hunted a couple times in October, started to figure it out a little bit. And so the, the positive or the good takeaway there is that I applied my method to this farm and I, I got success. And so it just, I don't know, it, it, it kept encouraging me that, Hey, what I'm doing is right. It is working. So keep doing it. That's such a good feeling. Like when you, yeah. when you're, trying something and seeing those positive results come back real time. Yep. That's, that is one of the very coolest things about deer hunting. There's like a whole lot of places in life where you can try some new thing, implement some new strategy and, and just take it. it, You won't see the results clearly, but in deer hunting, you can usually many times get like pretty quick feedback. Like does this work or does this not? Did I make progress or did I not? 
Was yep. this the right move? Was it not? Yep. It's a pretty tangible thing most of the time. And that's, yep. I think that's part of what makes it so fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm on a roll with that. And so it's, it's encouraging when I can say, Hey man, my method worked in, uh, my method worked in 2022. It worked in 2021. It worked. I got lucky in, in 2020 with the deer when I saw him raking a tree as I'm walking into the timber. Uh, it worked in 2019. Uh, it worked in 2018. And then the other two were kind of just more of, uh, uh, well, I, I would, if I, if I want to be serious about it, it's worked for the last 10 seasons since 2016, well, not 10 seasons, but 2016. And so it's, it's re encouraging that, that, you know, I mean, 10 years of shooting uh, a target buck, that's, that's, that's re that's reassuring to me that, Hey man, you just keep, just keep doing what you're doing. Be able to be mobile, be able to have different thoughts and ideas and then apply it how you see fit. And when it works like that, man, it feels pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, can't argue with that. My best moment then. Yes. And I'll, I'll say moments. Um, this, so I guess my worst and best both relate to the two goals I had last year. So if, if the worst one was related to my shooting goal, um, my best part is related to the, keep it fun goal. Um, and, and one of the big things I did last year was, was pull back on planning hunts or scheduling things that are just going to be like, what's going to give you the best chance to kill big deer. And instead like prioritize fun. And part of that is prioritize like your family. And, and so that led to some experiences that are without a doubt, like highlights of my season. So one of those highlights was, carving out a big chunk of time to go up to my family deer camp and be up there with my dad and take my son Everett first, first like full deer camp kind of week, almost like four days. I think we had, um, and so just getting to have him up the cabin for an extended period of time, hunting with me every day, you know, just like seeing his joy in those experiences was just so cool. Like one day we found a buck track and, so it was basically, let's do whatever's fun. So I was like, do you want to track this buck? He's like, yeah, let's do it. And so we're tracking this buck through the snow. And I'm, I'm assuming it's a buck based on the track. Um, and we're in this thick pine stand. And it was very deep snow. And every once in a while, there was like big clumps of snow that would fall out of the pine trees and yep. collapse down the ground. And so sometimes that would happen like way off in the distance. And it would look like like a big dark thing moving off in the distance. Okay. So at one point we're tracking along and he's so excited and I'm, you know, getting him pumped up about it and stuff. And all of a sudden he, he sees what must've been, at least I'm assuming must've been one of these clumps of snow falling way off in the distance. Like dad, I just saw the buck off in the distance. I just saw him, dad. I saw him. And I was like, oh man, that's awesome. He's just up there. Um, we were both really excited. And then he turns to me cause he's facing towards the, towards this, what I assume to be a fake deer. Um, he turns back towards me and he says, I have tears in my eyes because I'm so excited and I see tears coming down his cheeks. He's so excited and fired up by the fact that we maybe saw this buck. He was crying from joy. I mean, that was just like, I mean, can you imagine anything better than that? Right. Yeah. Um, So I got to go and spend deer camp with him. And then later in the year, I took him on a number of other hunts back in Southern Michigan. We had like really fun experiences, saw a lot of deer 
got to see a buck that we were after. Um, so he was like, fired up about it. And then I was able to kill two different bucks locally in Michigan that both of my sons were able to come out and help me track. So I got to have my boys there to help recover two different bucks. Um, just like so cool. And this is the first year that Colt, my youngest, was like old enough to really get it too. And uh, just having them there, being on the blood trail, having them be so excited to walk up on the deer and all that kind of stuff. That was by far the coolest stuff of the year. Just being there with the boys, having them experience it, having them actually like understand, be excited about it, geeked out about it, getting to interact and see the things out there. Um, those were huge, huge highlights. Um, yeah. And just such a great reminder of, you know, what really matters. Yeah. So agree a hundred percent, man. I love like, I don't know again, what's the same and what's different. My same is the same as my passion for this, but what's different is that I don't care. Right. I just want to be like, if you ask me, Hey Dan, what do you want to do all day long every day? I just want to hang out with my kids, man. That's all I want to do. And so whether that's doing my passion or doing something that they love, I'm realizing that I have this passion, but that my passion is really secondary to everything else in my life. And so if I can get my kids to come and do these things with me, which so far they like to do awesome. But if not, man, I don't care. Yeah. And man, that's been a, such a great reminder. Like we've talked about this in previous years, but one of the best little tools that I've had now to help reverse any kind of downer feeling I'm getting when I'm hunting from out there. And I, mean, I did this when I thought I, when I wasn't sure about that shot on that Nebraska buck and I was beating myself up. Whenever I found like myself in a moment like that, I always remember like in the end, this does not matter that much. Like I still no. have my kid, my kids are healthy. I've got a wonderful family. I'm going to go home, you know, next week and get to give them a hug good night, read them a story. Like that's the only yep. thing that really, really, really matters. So that perspective is so important. Absolutely. So that, so that said, Dan, um, and that's another thing, like I've been saying that said, for 10 years now mm -hmm. over and over mm -hmm. again, an obnoxious mm -hmm. amount of time. Um, mm -hmm. So that being said uh, quickly, let's preview for folks a little snippet of what they have to look forward to as far as our stories for the 2023 season. What do you have planned yeah. so far? You know, it's always Iowa, uh, you know, it's always going through the process, you know, here next month in June, I'm going to be not sure when this launches, but uh, June is usually camera deployment month for me and, uh, get some, get a little mineral out. Uh, there's some places where I've already dumped the mineral, get some cameras over there, start taking inventory, uh, collecting velvet pictures is probably to this day. One of my favorite things to do is just look at velvet trail camera pictures, man. I don't know why, yeah. but I love it. Um, just found out a couple weeks ago that I drew South Dakota again. So I'm going back to South nice. Dakota. I'll find out here in probably the next three or four days if I draw Kansas. And so that that's potentially on the schedule. If I draw Kansas, I might as well hunt Oklahoma since I'll be close. And, <laughs> uh, and, and so nice. that, uh, that, that's always a, a possibility, but, uh, that's, that's the deer hunting right there. And then, Outside of that, man, it's just life. And this is going to sound crazy, or maybe it's not crazy, 
but like I said, man, I, I really do like spending time with my kids. And one, one way I spend time with my kids and is coaching them in sports. And recently I have fallen in love with coaching and especially little kids that they don't necessarily have egos yet. They're not, they don't think they're the best type of scenarios. And so I coached my son's uh, first and second, my, he's a second grader. I coach his first and second grade um, uh, football. I'm coaching his baseball. I'll probably coach my son's T-ball league this, this summer. And, you know, I just, I love doing that type of stuff. And I want to continue to do more, to more of that on top of, you know, the fishing and all the other outdoor activities. Nice. Yeah. That sounds, uh, sounds like you're gonna be busy. That's a lot of coaching. Oh, yeah, dude. We have something every single, we just got done with spring football last week. So we were doing something six nights of the week, six days of the week. And so now we're down to five, I think. Yikes. Yeah. It sounds like my worst nightmare, but kudos to you, man. <laughs> sounds... Well, hey, at some point your boys, you know, they're going to get into activities and uh, someone's going to have to shuttle them back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, it's true. True. For, for now, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that the evening activities enjoy, uh, let's go catch minnows. Let's go catch fish. Let's go for a hike. Yep. Um, yep. But someday you're probably right. They're going to say, hey, dad. I'm going to go to football or I want to play basketball and yep. it'll be all right too. Are um, you already out in Idaho? Yeah. Yep. We got oh, out buddy. here two weeks ago. So nice. yes, we spent the last two weekends, one weekend camping in Grand Teton national park. Last weekend it was Yellowstone national park. Been hiking, fishing, minnow catching, rock throwing, rock climbing. Uh, they've been, they've been enjoying the outside. I, I didn't understand. I mean, when I was a kid, I loved it. But you mentioned rock throwing. Rocks. Oh, yeah. Kids love throwing rocks, man. Obsessed with it. Yeah. Yep. It's a, uh, yeah, I, I don't quite understand it, but it is endlessly enthralling to these <laughs> little boys. <laughs> um. So, yeah, man, that sounds like a great schedule. My uh, My year coming up as far as hunting season looks like, a September trip to do like a upper great lakes adventure of sorts. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to try to put together a little, uh, road trip where I'll be doing some fishing in the boundary waters and some grouse hunting up there. Mm -hmm. And then scoot over the border to Wisconsin and do a deer hunt. So I'm going to pair, I'm going to do like a deer hunting upper great lakes road trip that showcases like the diversity of experiences you can have. Like you can do one of these trips and it's not just about killing a big buck. It's about having a yep. cool, diverse experience. So yep. camping, canoeing, fishing, hunting. Um, yep. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Yeah. So I'm excited about that one. I've been to the boundary oh. waters, man. That's fun. Uh, my, my great uncle used to have a cabin on Oak Island, the furthest, uh, most point in Minnesota. Like nice. How it goes, it goes, it kind of jets up just for a little bit. And in that little area of the boundary waters is an island. And so, uh, man, that was, uh, that was a fun experience up there. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible country. So 
excited excited about that um and then i'm gonna do a bunch of local stuff again my usual local michigan hunts um have got a few bucks that made it through the last year that I'm excited to see again. And then I'm going to spend some extended time on the back 40 again. Awesome. Um, we're going to hopefully do some more mentoring of new hunters out there and then also try to help um, one or two of my past mentees uh, hopefully get their first archery deer or first buck. Um nice. And, and do a film talking about the progress that's been made out there and how all these different new folks have gotten to have their first hunting experiences on the property and, and kind of showcase the progress we've made out there. So that'll be a fun hunt. Um, we're going to do a longer hunt, like maybe a week or so, up at my northern Michigan property with my dad again um, and try to get him his first uh, buck up there in a long time. And uh, we've been doing some big habitat work this spring. We did a bunch of cutting and making some wildlife openings and a couple new food plots and really expanding kind of the quality habitat up there. So I'm going to yeah. hopefully really set it up nicely for my dad to have a chance at a deer up there, which would be really cool. Um, so I'm pumped for that. And then I think I'll be going back to Nebraska again during the rut and trying to line up a Illinois property been working on it all year has not come together yet, but I'm still banking on an Illinois hunt too. Um, oh, so nice. that's my, that's what my season looks like this year. Sounds good. Man. So sounds good. Should be, should be fun. Uh, well, I don't know, man, that's what I got for this week's episode. You got anything else you want to talk about? Not really, man. I think, uh, it was, it's fun catching up like this and looking back, uh, I don't know, I dwelling on different parts of our lives and, and then seeing how, you know, how things have changed or haven't changed and, uh, how much we went from radio DJ to, to just like normal conversation. Yep. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness. Hey, and Dan, what is your middle name? Keith. Keith. I think Bartholomew yeah. sounds better, but, uh, <laughs> but I guess Keith can work. <laughs> I'm glad my middle name is not Bartholomew. (laughs) You know, I would have been bullied by my own friends if they found out my middle name was Bartholomew. Deservedly so. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. All right, man. Thanks for doing this. Good to catch up. Hey, same to you, man. All right. And that is a wrap for this week's show. Hope you enjoyed this uh, kind of blast from the past reflection on the past decade. It's gone so fast. Pretty wild. I hope you've been along for the ride for, I don't know, maybe all of it or a big part of it. And that you found this to be a a valuable use of your time as much as it has been for me and Dan. Thank you for being along for that journey. Thank you for being a part of this community. And until next time, thanks for staying wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home 
overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. 